Hello everyone, welcome to Peace of Authenticity Podcast. I'm Aubrey. And I'm Jordan, and we are the Andersons. In 2020, the Lord really challenged us on starting our own podcast. And so we invite you to join us on the journey of following Jesus every day. So let's grow together and learn together. What's up, everybody? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. I hope that you guys have enjoyed our last couple of podcasts where we talked about the transfiguration and then also Caesarea Philippi. Mm -hmm. That is actually what's connecting us to what we're going to talk about today. But first, uh, do us a favor. If you watch our podcast Mm -hmm. all the time, like it, share it, hit the notifications so that other people can see it. It helps us get a little bit more traffic, but we're thankful that you're here today. Mm -hmm. Um, And we're going to get to talk about another powerful part of scripture. Yes. So, um, of course we went to this place whenever we were in Israel. So yet again, we'll have some pictures, you know, hopefully even some videos if we took any, uh, but this place was beautiful. Um, and the connection here is with Caesarea Philippi because Caesarea Philippi was known as the fountain of the Jordan river. So if that gives you any idea what we might talk about today. Yeah. It's my, I guess I, it's not my namesake. No, the Yarden. Yeah, that's that's the actual way to pronounce it. The Yarden, Yarden. River. Um, can you call me that, Aubrey? No. Okay, well, I was just That's gonna... weird. <laughs> well, and, and the Yarden actually means the descender. Sounds like Garden. So the Jordan River is from the top, pretty much the top of Israel, probably even before Israel. It yeah. Start. And it goes all the way down into the Dead yeah. Sea in the south of Israel, and it's 130 miles long. It's a very long river. Yeah. It was beautiful. I mean, there was so much life around it. That's where I saw... I saw another hummingbird there. I, there were beautiful flowers, trees, just tons of vegetation along the sides yeah. of the Jordan River. It was beautiful. Yeah, and the the place that we were at, it was like rushing. Like mm-hmm. the Jordan River was going. It was moving. So when we, when we went out in it, we had to create like this line of everybody helping each other get out there because it was, it was moving. Well, yeah, you would have gotten swept away. We won't go into why. But we were. We were in there. We were in there. Shoes and all. And it was very, very moving. Yeah, we didn't take off no shoes or nothing, Jesus. Like, (laughs) oh, Lord. Oh, Lord, there was a Jordan. Yeah. So so we're at the Jordan River. Here's, Here's what is so significant. If you've read your Bible any amount of time whatsoever, you know that there are many significant things that happened at the Jordan River, which is why this is such a a cool teaching that we're about to dive into today because of all the connections that, of course, take us to the Old Testament and then connect us to the New Testament as well. Yeah, it's... It is really cool, um, some connections, which, of course, like Aubrey said, there's always these beautiful connections when you read the Word of God, and you, and you yeah. will just see them. The more and more you get into the reading, it, it's it's so fun. Like It's yeah. just amazing what the Lord does. Yeah, so the Jordan River is also cool because it's the it's the only fresh water source in, uh, in yeah. Israel. So the Jordan River feeds both the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. So I think that we've talked about the Dead Sea on the podcast before. So it's like there's like no life into the Dead Sea. So eventually when the Jordan River runs into the Dead Sea, it just dies because nothing and, can live there. You know, there's there's actually a beautiful picture with that. I cannot mm. remember when I, or I put, I'll 
what? I cannot remember when I put all these together, but I'm speaking English now. Don't worry about me. <laughs> um, but the cool thing with the Jordan Rivers, yeah, it starts at the top and then it does, it goes through the Sea of Galilee and then it still goes down and then hits the Dead Sea and that's where it ends. And it's almost like whenever there, you know, the Lord pours things into you, you're meant to overflow and keep pouring. But the Dead Sea just, just takes it and it don't give nothing. You let it go to the Dead Sea, it dies. <laughs> it just dies. So just make dies. sure, serve, love, oh. do the overflow. No, nope, nope, nope. That's a different teaching. What? <gasps> Scratch that. Well, you better write it down. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Don't so, forget. so anyway, but basically what we're getting to, right? Here's, here's the significance this is what we're trying of, to say. of the Jordan river of the sea of Galilee, dead sea, all this stuff to the ancient Hebrews. Water was a symbol of chaos. Of course they knew they needed water to live. Yes. Obviously. Yes, but it well, and, and the, many of the disciples were fishermen, so their yeah. their way of life was sustained on the water. But the the very essence of the Hebrew teaching, chaos, like disorder, uh, like disunity, always was like something that represent. They would use water as the representation of chaos, because uh, as we know f through following the story of Jesus, there are many times that the disciples are out on the boat. And all of a sudden, a storm comes out of nowhere, mm -hmm. and they're panicking for their lives. So the Sea of Galilee, because of the, how it's positioned and all the, the land around it, when the, the wind shifts to a certain position, it comes howling down through there. And storms can literally, waves and storms can literally come out of nowhere. And if you've ever seen an ancient fishing boat, it's not super safe. It would yeah. capsize very easily. So even little four, five, six foot waves or whatever would, yeah. they would be dead. There were, whenever they did excavations um, um, around the outside of the Sea of Galilee, there were a lot of like shipwrecks and pieces, mm -hmm. and they found a, a beautiful, yeah, you can almost see that full boat around Jesus' time. Yeah. Pretty, pretty amazing. So you go all the way to the beginning of our scriptures, right? We all know the first book of the Bible is Genesis. So to, to really understand why the Hebrews believed what they did, we, we go to... Um, we go to Genesis uh, verse or chapter one, verse one, and it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So in verses one and two, the Bible tells us that all that was there in the beginning was, was just water. Like God separated the heavens from the earth, but everything was water. And if you keep reading, you understand God said, let there be light. And then next he said, let's form land. And they, the, the land came up to separate the waters. So in the beginning, before God brought order to everything, everything was darkness and water. So darkness and water kind of went hand in hand for Anything in the Hebrew teaching that you want to represent like the kingdom of darkness or any type of disorder whatsoever, they always went back to darkness and water. Yeah. Yeah. And um, so now, since we have a little bit of a basis of just how the Hebrews yeah. saw water and also a little bit about the Jordan River, we are going to go into Matthew 3, where we talk about, um, well, we're going to talk a little bit before about John the Baptist, but Jesus' baptism. Yeah. So we we have uh, a set scene just as we were at the Jordan River, and we've been talking about water represents chaos. 
we go into Matthew chapter three, where John the Baptist is on the scene. And in, in chapter three, it starts out, it says, in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand for this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his, make his paths straight. And so verse four, now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locusts and wild honey. Yummy. Now remember that there's a reason why these Bible writers are being yeah. so descriptive about this. Especially Matthew, um, because if if we remember on podcasts before, mm-hmm. we've explained Matthew was the most Jewish writing of all the Gospels, right? So Matthew was trying, he was specifically writing these to his fellow Jewish brothers and sisters, trying to paint a picture of who Jesus was. So he was using things that the Jewish people would have been like, oh, light bulb, that's yeah. why he said that. Mm-hmm. So in verse five, it says, then Jerusalem and all of Judea and all the regions about the Jordan were going out to him. They were coming out to John the Baptist in verse six, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now we have our scene set. Yes. This is why we, when we were in Israel, we had no choice. We had to go to the Jordan River because many amazing things happened here. Yeah, and um, we actually saw the area where John the Baptist was said to have baptized along with a few other things. But we want to make this connection with the significance of why Matthew even listed what John wore and even what he ate because he wanted the Jews to see a connection with another prophet that was in the Old Testament named Elijah. And they would have remembered 2 Kings 1.8. Yeah, so if you go back into that scripture, it's in verse 4. Matthew throws this in here and and you know forever reading this I never really understood why this was here. It's like why why does it kind of random yeah, like, like why do we need to know what that? like all of a sudden Matthew's giving fashion advice, you know, like he was wearing camel's hair and he was critiquing his diet. Like I never really knew because it it doesn't really seem to fit there because you're they're talking about the purpose of John. John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness, right? And he was baptizing for the forgiveness of sins or repentance and the forgiveness of sins. We know all these things. And he was baptizing in the river. Why does it matter what he was wearing? You know, and why did it matter what he was eating? But if you go to the connection in 2 Kings chapter 1, you see in verse 8, this is about the prophet Elijah. If you remember in our transfiguration story, Mm -hmm. we have Elijah yet again. And there's a lot of connections with Elijah in the scriptures, but Elijah and Moses were the two that appeared with Jesus on the transfiguration. If you haven't watched that episode, you can watch it. It's two episodes ago, mm-hmm. right? So here we have uh, 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, and it says, uh, And they answered him, He, meaning Elijah, wore a garment of hair with a belt of leather about his waist. And he said, it is Elijah the Tishbite. So they just knew who Elijah was by what he wore along with John the Baptist. People would have known, oh my gosh, that dude's wearing camel. That must be John the Baptist. 
Also, um, the prophets always looked different than everyone else. I mean, in the Old Testament, and then it even connected with what Isaiah had said. You know, Matthew connected it. He he will be one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. In every single aspect, you can just see how Matthew is connecting John the Baptist to the earlier prophets that would, most, all the prophets were like, hey, you need to repent. So John has the same message. You need to repent and be baptized and it's just really cool to see yeah. that. that so you, so we have that connection. Now, if you remember from the Transfiguration podcast that we did, we now know why this is important. But just for the sake of you know talking about it, we're going to go back into it really fast because it's important to understand exactly why this is important. So the Transfiguration, right? Jesus says, Ask the disciples, who is it that men say that I am? Mm -hmm. They go up, Peter, James, and John get to witness the transfiguration. They see Elijah there. They see Moses there. The teaching coming back down the mountain, which we touched on in that same episode, um, Jesus is walking down the mountain with his disciples. And uh, the disciples ask him a question because they're really confused as to what just happened because they now know that Jesus is the Messiah, but there's something that the scriptures pointed to first. That they're like, but what about that? Yeah, part? but they were like, well, what about that? And that pointed to the fact that before the Messiah came, Elijah was supposed to come back. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so so we have, we have in here in verse 11, the transfiguration, Matthew 17, verse 11, Jesus answered... Elijah does come and he will restore all things. But in verse 12, it says, but I tell you that Elijah has already come and they did not recognize him, but did to him whatever they pleased. So also the son of man will certainly suffer at their hands. In verse 13, then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. Okay, so it's not until chapter 17 during the transfiguration that the disciples actually put two and two together that John the Baptist is Elijah. Mm -hmm. Elijah did come before the Messiah came on the scene and he came in the form of John the Baptist. That is why Matthew is trying to help us out by saying, and John wore this. Yeah. And so that, yeah, because, you know, uh, Matthew, of course, wasn't there for the transfiguration, but Mm -hmm. When, when, after Jesus ascended, remember, because Jesus told the disciples that were there, Peter, James, and John, he says, tell nobody of what you Mm -hmm. saw until after the son of man is resurrected. Yeah. Right. And then, so then Matthew gets filled in on the story and he starts putting all these pieces together as well. But so now they're saying in, in chapter 17, Peter, James, and John are going, oh my gosh, John the Baptist is Elijah. And if you're wondering why Jesus said like they didn't receive him and did whatever they like they cut his head off like king Yeah. king Ahab. No, no. Whoa. I'm thinking Elijah. Yeah. You think Elijah? No. Uh Herod. King Herod. Yeah, king See, Herod. another king wanted him the prophet dead. Was but it yeah. Antipas? What? Antipas was it Antipas they cut off? Uh, I don't it, know. I just Herod, know. one of the descendants of the king king I Herod. Know I don't know. Head got it's ratchet. Yeah, so so John the Baptist gets imprisoned, and if we remember further along in the story, John is in prison. He's waiting to find out what's going to happen to him because John was speaking against uh, 
he was speaking against the king. Oh yeah, um, yeah. And and so you know, by basically along with telling everybody else to repent, John was even telling the king of the Jews at the time he needed to repent. He's probably well. like, "You of all people, people yeah. look at you, bro. You so, need to repent." Yeah. So so we have Johnny's in prison, and John sends one of his disciples to go and ask Jesus the question: "Are you the one that we've been waiting for, or should we be looking for another?" Right. So. Um, we have all these connections between uh, Jesus and, and John the Baptist. But here's another connection that ties back in Elijah to John the Baptist. And in 2 Kings chapter 2, we find out, I want to encourage you to go and, and read this on your own. But in, in uh, 2 Kings chapter 2 verse 6, um, Elijah and Elisha are talking here. And then Elijah says to Elisha, Please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. So we have yet again a, a uh, scripture that's pointing us to the Jordan River. It's a, it's a huge connecting point all throughout scripture. But he said, Elijah said, as the Lord, or Elisha says, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on and Elijah in verse eight took his cloak and rolled it up and struck the water and the water was parted to one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. They crossed. Interesting. So what's the connection there too? The Israelites. The Israelites. When they first came into the promised land, when Moses transitions power over to Joshua, Joshua they get to cross the Jordan River on dry ground. By the way, yeah. Joshua, the root of his name is extremely, like, almost the same as Yeshua, by the way. And he led the Israelites over. Anyways, yeah. Yeah. So many That's connections. It. Fun fact. <laughs> so many so, connections. So we have all these connections back to, to the Jordan River, which many experts believe that these all occurred at the same spot. Which we have a picture of. It is very far away, but I'll put a little circle where it said to Yeah. Because I got a picture in yeah. Israel, so... So, uh, yeah, so they cross over on a dry ground. And when they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, ask what I shall do for you before I am taken from you. And Elisha said, please let there be a double portion of your spirit on me. And this actually happened. And he said, you have asked a hard thing. Yet, if you see that I'm being taken from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. And verse 11, and they went on and talked and behold, a or behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, Elijah and Elisha, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. So we have Elijah being taken up by chariots of fire and horses of fire right there at the Jordan River. Mm-hmm. Now, the connection is the disciples knew in Matthew 17 that John the Baptist was being what they knew that when Jesus was talking about Elijah already came, we were talking about John the Baptist. Where does the Bible tell us that John the Baptist ministry first begins? At the Jordan River. At the same spot where Elijah's ministry ended, John begins his ministry. Mm-hmm. Almost like the Lord is saying, just as Elijah was taken from this spot, I'm going to have him come back and begin at this spot again. Yeah, and yet again, the same exact spot where the Israelites crossed the Jordan to take territory of their promised land that the Lord gave them, being led by Joshua. Hashtag 
close to Yeshua. Okay. Yeah. Just so much. And it's just like so awesome. So if you wanted to read more about the Israelites crossing the Jordan, that is found in Joshua 3 and also chapter 4, 1 through 9. So all of 3 and then 4, 1 through 9. Yeah. So so yeah, so we so we know we have three different stories. Um, I also think that it's it's important. Um, A cool connection there in Scripture too was uh, Elijah and John the Baptist is like you know John the Baptist ended up having his head cut off, and that's the same thing that Jezebel wanted to do to Elijah after he killed all the prophets of Baal Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament. So there's many connections there. Uh, anyway, that's not part of this podcast today, but we could talk about that another time. Yeah. So <laughs> if you go further into Matthew chapter three, we've already established because of the conversation after the transfiguration in Matthew 17, we've already, now we can point fingers at John the Baptist and be like, this is the second coming of Elijah, um, through John the Baptist. And John tells us, in uh, verse 11, well, Matthew's telling us on behalf of John the Baptist that John the Baptist is saying, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. I think it's cool, the parallels of fire there too. Elijah was taken up by chariots. fire. Jesus is coming to bat. Oh, with man. fire. Fire. So... Uh, his winnowing fork is in his hand and he will, he will clear the threshing floor and Mm. gather his wheat into the barn, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. There's fire again. There's fire again. So now, um, Matthew is giving us a glimpse of not only does John the Baptist dress and eat like Elijah, but he is doing his ministry where Elijah ascended from. Mm-hmm. He's doing his best to point to his um, fellow Hebrews that will be reading this letter. This dude, if it looks like a duck and it walks like a duck, then it is a duck. That's basically what Matthew is trying to get us to understand through this. Yeah, and, and I mean, at the beginning of Matthew 3, it literally says in Isaiah what John's mission is. You know, the one crying out in the wilderness, prepare yes. the way of the Lord. That is the main thing. John's job was to clear the path, which like this was beautifully said here. It says John's role was to symbolically clear the path for Jesus by calling Israel to repent of sin and turn back to the way of God. Mm-hmm. If they did so, they would be ready to follow God's son. And so I just think that's so beautiful because I mean, exactly what you read in, in verses 11 through 13, I think like that's exactly what he's doing he's saying hey i might be doing this but like y'all don't even know like what's Mm. about to go down whenever the son of man shows up on the scene and that's exactly what happens well and i don't think that we fully recognize exactly what john's ministry looked like i think that john was becoming famous everywhere okay and and the, the reason why i know this is because if john the baptist didn't have influence then him talking trash about the king would have never got him imprisoned mm-hmm. in the first place. I mean, you know, like in, in America, we all have social media and everybody's trashing on politicians and, you know, and everything like that. Nobody really cares about something that doesn't matter. But if you have some clout, if you have mm-hmm. some recognition behind your name and you start making the king, especially in, in this in this story, you start making the king look bad to all the fellow Jews, and they're like, "Yeah, you know, this dude's ratchet. He needs mm-hmm. to repent." 
that's when they start to get scared and they get scared of uprisings and stuff like that because John the Baptist has got a huge following. So I, I think that John could gather a crowd. And, and so we, we might not see it. I, I would see it as maybe today somebody that has a huge social media following or, you know, when a politician does a rally and hundreds and thousands of people come to it, this would have been the kind of clout that John the Baptist had. Yeah, and also he looked the part of a Old Testament prophet. And by the way, yeah. they had not heard of a prophet and like like a prophet of the Lord speaking what the Lord said in like 430 years, I think yeah. I was reading. It's so I bet they're like, oh dang, here it is, you know. Um, but some people missed him, just like Jesus said. But but then of course we go into like the best part. Jesus' baptism, which is Matthew 3, 13 through 17. Um, yeah. And it's so good. Yeah. So it literally is labeled in your Bible as the baptism of Jesus. So verse 13, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. Verse 14, John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? With a question mark. But Jesus answered to him, Let it be so now, for thus is, or for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented, John consented in verse 16. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately went up from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him. And he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now, if you remember the transfiguration wow. episode, we already covered this. This was the what we were alluding to when we said this was the second time that God had affirmed Jesus with an audible voice uh, in front of witnesses. Yeah, and it, it's just like, guys, whenever it says that the Lord said, like, this is literally a voice coming from no one standing around. Like, just envision this. The heavens have opened. There is a light and, and the spirit, like they're seeing it. That's yeah. what blows my mind. There's so many things right now and people still missed Jesus as a Messiah, like blows my mind. But like, I, I just love this because like what Jesus did here, he didn't just get like baptized, just to get baptized because um, Jesus didn't have any sins to repent of. So that's why John was like, if anyone's going to baptize anybody, you're going to baptize me. I can't baptize you. You didn't sin. Yeah, you're the you've sinless never sinned, one. you know? Yeah. And I, I just love this because there, there's so much in it. There's so many, like, um, symbolic things that could be in it. Yeah. Um, do you want me to go into the, the Levi kind of mindset, The um, him being a Levi? Do you think I should? Well, I mean, I guess, yeah. Okay, I didn't know if you had anything before. I just didn't want to no, like just, cut to the chase because I was yeah. excited. Okay, so this is really cool because John is a Levite. So the Levites were like the priests, okay? And um, both of his parents were actually from the line of Aaron, who was the first priest of Israel, yeah. okay? The first high priest. Mm -hmm. And so this is like a beautiful picture of like John being a priest. And I'm just going to word it here because it's like so cool. One of the duties of the priests in the Old Testament was to present the sacrifices before the Lord. So John the Baptist's baptism of Jesus could be seen as a priestly presentation of the ultimate sacrifice because just a few days later, this is what John says about Jesus. He says, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Mm. Oh my gosh. So yet yeah. again, that's just another. Another connection oh my gosh. there. Yeah that John was preparing the way for Jesus.
But here's another connection, right? Because uh, what, what we like to do is always connect Jesus to the Old Testament to kind of paint this picture like they're not separate. It's it's all one story. From Genesis to Revelation, it's, it's all one story and it all connects. And so if we go back to Genesis chapter one, when, when, uh, or there in Matthew chapter three, when it, when it tells us that the dove did like mm-hmm. descended, yeah, the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, like a dove, right? It, it's, it talks about that descended right there. Um, the same word of that takes us back to Genesis chapter one, when it says the spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Those are the same words. And so it's like, as, as you're going there, Matthew is trying to continually point the story of Jesus back to the Old Testament because that's what the Jews would have known. And so when he says that the the Holy Spirit descended like a dove, it's the same wordage of when the Holy when the Spirit of God was hovering uh, uh, yeah. like over the face of the waters. Um, do you want me to spell out that word? So if you guys wanted to look up this word, so this is what is used in uh, Genesis one. It's merachafet. Ooh, that sounded really good. Okay, it sounded good. I don't know if M- it's right. But yeah, it I don't even. It's M E R A C H E F E T. So go ahead and look that up. But it'll mean to flutter as a dove. Yeah found yeah. in Genesis 1. Yeah, so okay, so in Genesis 1, right? We said there was nothing but darkness and water, right? Chaos. Mm-hmm. There was mm-hmm. nothing in the beginning but chaos. God brought form to everything. So God said in verse 3, let there be light and there was light and God saw that there was light and said this was good, mm-hmm. right? It was good. Yeah. And then um God says, let there be an expanse, right? He brings up the land to separate the waters. I think it's a beautiful imagery there. When you talk about full immersion baptism, uh, John puts Jesus under the water and Mm -hmm. brings him up and it kind of separates the water just as the land, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of came up. And so it gives us that that image of, you know, Jesus's body coming out in the water parts right Mm -hmm. there, just like land comes up. And then after uh, after God said that, uh, it said th- he said this was good as well. Oh yeah, the place he let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the waters gathered. He called the seas, and God saw that it was good. Mm-hmm. Right. So Jesus is parting the waters right here because he's going down to baptism. And then so when he baptizes Jesus, Jesus comes out, and God affirms that. Just like he said in the beginning, when the land separated the water, it was good. God is affirming Jesus in this baptism moment saying, this is my dearly beloved son mm-hmm. in whom I'm well pleased. Basically, this is my son and he is good. Yeah. You know, and so you see that connection of God's creating all this in Genesis 1. And then this is happening when Jesus is being baptized and Matthew is continually trying to point people to tie the two stories in. Yeah, and even the fact of, you know, the Lord created this beautiful world and then he created Adam and Eve and and it was good. There was shalom, there was wholeness, there was peace, right? And then yeah. that was broken in Genesis chapter 3, which I think is interesting because this is Matthew chapter 3. But anyways, mm. um, Jesus is literally called the Prince of Peace, the Prince of Shalom. So this 
picture that Aubrey was just painting for you guys with Jesus coming back up. This was the restoration of all things. It has begun. Mm. The Prince of Shalom is bringing back this restoration that all of earth has been crying out for in this darkness and in all these different things. I mean, they haven't heard a word from the Lord in 430. You know, the people haven't, there haven't been, there's been death and darkness. And then behold, this is my son whom I am well pleased. Like, y'all don't even know it's about to go down. Like John's been trying to tell you, but, mm, yeah. <laughs> but you have no idea. And yeah. Just the fact that um, Jesus, you know, even the fact that he went to be baptized because John said, no, I can't baptize you this is for the repentance of sin. It's just a beautiful picture that Jesus like didn't care what people thought around him. He was just doing what he heard the father say. Mm. And the fact of, you know, Aubrey and I were talking about this earlier, the fact that Jesus went into the chaos of the waters, the rushing waters, and came out and this beautiful thing happened. It was a declaration of war on the darkness. It was a declaration of war on the chaos. And whenever we were in Israel, like Brad painted this beautiful picture and had this definition of the kingdom of God that I want to read to you guys. Because Jesus coming out of the water and this whole thing happening showed the kingdom of God is at hand. Like, I mean, that's what John had been trying to say. And so you see this picture. So let me read what the kingdom of heaven is uh pretty much defined as okay so it says rule and reign of god advancing here on earth bringing healing and wholeness by pushing out the chaos so jesus mm. actually was being pushed out of the you know what i mean like yeah. the picture that you well were yeah if, if and the other thing that brad told us while we were in israel is i don't know if anybody knows about the dead sea scrolls that were found but literally in one of the dead sea scrolls it is labeled uh, the Jordan River is labeled as, I don't want to get this wrong because I know I had it on there, um, that the Jordan River is the picture of chaos. Oh. So the Dead Sea Scrolls, which you know haven't been added to the canon of the Bible or anything like that, but they have been dated and authenticated and everything like that. Um, they literally use the imagery of the River Jordan to picture chaos, right? Like we've been trying to paint this picture of water equals chaos and blah, blah, blah. They went specific and they said Jordan, the Jordan River is the picture of chaos. So for Jesus to be baptized, who had no sin, who knew no sin, who was blameless, and he goes into the very picture of the chaos to be baptized and he comes up just like Jordan said just a second ago, as a declaration of war that says, I am establishing my kingdom here on earth. I think that it's it's important for us to understand that because in terms of war, what happens when war is declared? Fighting begins, mm -hmm. chaos ensues normally, um, and Jesus's reign, his kingdom was coming to push out the darkness, to push out the chaos. Yeah. The enemy knew that this was a declaration of war, which is exactly why immediately following this event into Matthew chapter four, we find out that the Bible tells us, Matthew tells us that Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. into the wilderness to be <clears throat> tempted by the devil because Jesus picked the fight. Oh, yeah. Jesus brought the war. And if you remember our Caesarea Philippi episode just last week, we talked about Jesus told the disciples in Matthew 17, this is a little bit later, but Jesus is continuing to paint this picture for us 
2,000 years later as followers of Jesus that the kingdom of heaven is offensive. We are not defensive. We do not back down to the darkness. We take it head on. Upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. In Matthew chapter three, Jesus starts the fight. And I, I just was seeing this whenever you were talking, how the enemy, even how the enemy tempted Jesus, it was totally out of fear, like everything the enemy mm -hmm. said, because he knew, like he was like, oh no, this is the one that they've been talking about. This is, this is him. The fact that he took Jesus up to Mount Hermon and said, hey, listen, everything you see, you can totally have just if you worship mm -hmm. me. Yeah. Like he was willing to give so much just to shut this down. But guess what? The kingdom of heaven doesn't compromise. Yeah. Jesus said, uh, no, and gave him scripture. No. And I just think that's so, because I think we just, in our mind, our peacekeeping, which we've talked about this before, that mindset makes us want to compromise with the world because Jesus could have said like, oh, I can have all this. At least these people could be saved. You know, he yeah. could be like thinking like that, but that's just not how it goes. Like Jesus knew. And, and we have to know, we have to know the truth of God's word. We have mm -hmm. to know that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. We can't, we have to, like we talked about last week, just bust through the gates of hell because the kingdom of heaven brings wholeness, brings completion. It brings all these things that everyone needs. So drastically in this world that we can't just wait to go to heaven. There's so many of us. What, what did Brad call them? The people that are just like waiting for heaven. I'm just going to go hide, oh, hide yeah. out. Yeah. He said evacuation theology is wrong because Jesus Jesus tells us in like we call it the Lord's prayer but uh I, I don't I mean I think it's when Jesus teaches us how to pray. Yeah. He says let your kingdom come, let your will be done. So Jesus basically comes in the enemy is the ruler of this world, right? So Jesus comes in, gets baptized, and it's a public declaration in front of everybody that he is he's waging war on the mm -hmm. kingdom of darkness. The enemy tempts him. And the very next thing that Jesus does is he comes and he grabs these ordinary dudes, these yep. disciples, and he begins a three, three and a half year ministry of teaching these ordinary men how to bring heaven down, not how to teach them how to get into heaven. Yeah. So, you know, special. everybody, you know, like Brad was saying, you know, every, I think, you know, heaven is a real place and we all have to understand the Bible tells us that we will stand before the Lord and he will either say, well done, good and faithful servant, or he'll say, depart from me for I never knew you. Mm -hmm. Heaven is for mm -hmm. real. <laughs> like the movie, but good, good, heaven good, is good, for good. real. But the thing was, Jesus was constantly trying to teach the disciples and we are still learning from Matthew and from John that Jesus was trying to teach all along to, to be offensive against the kingdom of darkness and how to bring heaven down instead of just going, oh Lord, I'm just going to bide my time until my time comes to be in heaven. Oh, save us. It's, it, it's not about that. Yeah. It's about taking charge of the darkness here and now, and so, and, oh yeah, so. <laughs> it's just all so good. It's like, you think of all these yeah. things like, oh my gosh, I gotta, ugh. Yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's so that's much, so there's so much to it that that's pointing this in the direction. And, you know, I want you guys to, if you can imagine for a second, we are on the bank of, of the, of the Jordan River and, and Brad is teaching us in this moment and, you know, 
Jesus declared war. He he marched in there. And so Brad literally like stands up <laughs> and Brad just marches his happy little self out into the Jordan River, like shoes and all, doesn't sure take does. off his clothes. And and he's like, he's like, who's coming with me? Who's like, you know, like, and he's like doing this whole Jerry Maguire moment, like, who's coming with me? And so I'm like, cool, yeah. I start taking off my shoes. And I don't, I'm not looking at him, but all I hear is, don't you dare take your shoes off. Get in get the right water. In yeah, get right in there. And and so we all decide, like, we're all like climbing in the in the water and we're all like witnessing this moment. And then at the very end, Brad said something that like just really kind of wrecked me. And and he just made this statement. He said, Aren't you glad that Jesus didn't sit on the bank? Mm-hmm. He just Aren't, went in. Jesus, I mean, God perfectly mapped out this whole thing, but Jesus walks in, and there were moments there. Um, Jesus walks in. He could have just stood on the bank and just said, I'm Jesus, I'm the son of the living God, and everybody would have been like, oh my gosh, and God could have still said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But Jesus decides to make a statement of war right there, and John even tried to talk him out of it. John's like, hey, no, you should be baptizing me, not the other way around. In this moment, Brad makes this statement, I'm going, oh my gosh. You know, because we, we sit here and think all the time, Jesus had so many opportunities mm-hmm. to veer off the path. But he didn't because he understood his purpose. He understood what he was here to do. And he did it out of love and everything for all the future followers. Everything he taught his disciples, he knew Mm -hmm. further on down the road, we would get to learn from that we would be studying. But the main thing that he was trying to teach them the whole time was how to bring heaven and how to push out the darkness. Think of the couple of times that the disciples weren't able to cast out the demons. Jesus got onto them and he's like, you wicked servants, you faithless generation. Like he he was upset because he was trying to teach them that the kingdom of heaven is here to push out the darkness. It's not to just sit here and be like, oh God, they got a demon. I, you know, I'm just gonna, you know, I'll pray for you over here. I'm not, he's like, boom, mm-hmm. get in there, get your hands dirty. And just like he was telling Peter in Matthew 17, on this rock, I'm going to build my church and no gate in hell is going to keep us out. Mm-hmm. And it would it blows my mind. And the question that just left at the end of this incredible teaching that we got to experience was, aren't you glad mm-hmm. that Jesus didn't just sit on the bank? Yeah. So we got to go to the Jordan River. <laughs> we got to go in shoes first. Yes, we got to go in and it was, it was great. But I hope that through this, everybody can just kind of walk away and understand. Uh, we want to dive further into this. I don't remember where we were thinking about going from here. I don't think we know yet. Yeah, we, didn't, we might not even know yet. But we wanted to do this talk because... After Caesarea Philippi, you know, it said that it was the fountain of the Jordan and then we're passing all this stuff in. But we're going to continue on the story and we're going to continue teaching you everything that we learned in Israel. But we're thankful that you guys are on the journey mm-hmm. with us. Yeah. But we, we love all you guys. I hope that you are ministered to by this. Again, if, if there's anybody that you think might resonate yeah. with this or get something from it, share it with them. Subscribe to our channel. Um, but if not, we'll see you here next week. Same time, same place. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye.